Romans chapter 5. I made my first sale on Craigslist this week. Now, for some of you think, what in the world's Craigslist? Uh, Craigslist is the new classified ads, <laughs> the new replacement. It's online. Now, Sue and I have sold some stuff on Craigslist before, but she always took the picture and m- made the ad, and I just collected the money. Um, but this week, I took my picture, I made my ad. Actually, I, I've been putting it in there for two or three weeks because it's, it's one of those odd things that you've got to just catch the right person at the right time. I had 75 feet of, of, uh, of 6.3 with the ground uh, cable left over from putting in my hot tub, and uh, it's worth about 150 bucks. It's pretty expensive, uh, pretty expensive wire. And so I thought, well, I, you know, can't just leave it sitting around my garage and, you know, uh, I know I won't use it. So I put it on Craigslist. Now, it's worth 150 bucks, but you can't get full retail on Craigslist. So I, I advertised it for $100. And I thought, well, that's pretty fair. In fact, you know, I, I thought in my research it was actually worth more than that. But one guy told me, no, it's worth two bucks a foot. So it's worth 100 bucks. But on Craigslist, people will not buy unless you haggle. And so one guy tried to lowball me, and I said, "No, I'm not giving it to you for sixty bucks." And uh, we agreed on a price. And then the next day, another guy called me, and he said, "I'll beat the guy's price, and I'll be there tomorrow." I said, "It's yours, pal." And uh, he came and gave me eighty bucks for my wire. Did you do you know there's a proverb about that? It is good for nothing, cries the buyer, but when he has gone his way, then he boasts. Yeah, yeah, that ain't no good, you know. I have a friend who has uh, sold real estate and cars, and he said, a thing is worth what somebody will pay for it. Not worth what you think it's worth, it's worth what somebody will pay for it, and that's pretty much true. Except with salvation. And it's so valuable in part because one of the chief things it brings to us is peace. I want to open God's Word today and understand how Christ's death brings us peace through the salvation that He offers to us. Please follow as I read Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps even for a good man someone would dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I want you to understand today that the death of Christ brings peace with God. The reason we can live at peace is first and foremost because we can be at peace with God. Look at verse 6 here. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is really a summary of the gospel. It's a summary of the gospel, and it sounds very much like this little summary of the gospel from 1 Corinthians 15. I delivered to you, first of all, or of first importance, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. We use the word gospel, and it is a New Testament word that literally means good news. The question I want to ask you is, have you ever stopped to say, why is it good news? Now, most of the time, we would couch it in terms of, I get to go to heaven when I die, and that truly is good news. We might even couch it in terms of, I get God's help now in my life, and that is good news. But do you know the real reason the good news is the good news comes from Romans 5.10. When we were enemies, we were reconciled or brought back together to God through the death of His Son. Do you ever remember being the enemy of God? Did you ever wake up one morning and say, I hate God, I'm going to fight God with all my might? Now, those of us that have been Christians most of our lives, of course we can't remember that, but but some of you who weren't Christians till later in life, did you ever count yourself as the enemy of God? It's hard for some of us to even get our mind around the concept of God having an enemy or calling people his enemies. It all began with our great, 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 grandmother and grandfather, Adam and Eve. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife ran right up to God and said, I'm sorry, God, we did wrong. Is that what your kids do when they disobey? This is the beginning of being the enemy of God. It's the beginning of being afraid of God. Adam and Eve did not want to come and sit down with God. They wanted to run and hide. Where can I go to get away from God? Now, does God see us wherever we are? Of course He does. And yet the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? And so Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Adam and Eve became afraid of God when they sinned. Their peace with God disappeared when they sinned. And they became afraid of God with good reason. Because God had said to them, if you do this thing, you will die. 
Maybe they thought they could, if they could hide sufficiently, they wouldn't die. I don't know. God sees sinners, people who have never believed in Christ, he sees them as his enemies. This is a harsh truth. It's a harsh truth. Certainly not popular in the Christian world today, but it's confirmed right here. And you, he's talking to Christians, who used to be alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. God counts those who have never believed in him as enemies. And as such, turn back with me to Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God. Look at Romans 2, verse 5. But in accordance with the hardness of with your hardness and your impenitent, or your, your unwillingness to admit that you're wrong, impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of righteous judgment of God. Who will render according to each one, to each one according to his deeds? Eternal life? To those who, who with patient continuance do good and seek for glory, honor, immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, God is treasuring up indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil. Of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, even desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. I've never really fancied myself a, a fire and brimstone preacher. I sat under a few of them at Camp Gilead, as you probably did. And boy, they used to really get with it. We're all kinder and gentler now. Well, I'm probably not that either. But do you know what we just read? God is storing up wrath for sinners. Think about that. You know, we talk a lot about uh, Matthew 6 for Christians. We should put treasure up in heaven. We talked about it in terms of giving to these missionary projects. And, and we store up blessing in heaven. And someday God will reward us for that. God says he is storing up wrath for the day of wrath for those who have consistently refused to believe in Christ, and because of that, their sins are not forgiven, and they are in sin. And when the day of judgment comes, He will have wrath stored up and prepared for them. Wow. 
That's what makes the good news good news. For it pleased the Father that in Christ all the fullness should dwell, and that by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. The good news today, friend, is this. If you have never believed in Christ as your Savior, even though God is storing up wrath for you, He will take that away and in place give you blessing if you will come to Christ and believe in Him. Because Christ's death is the only thing that pays for sin, and because it pays for sin, it brings us back together with God. It reconciles us with God. Look back at Romans chapter 5 again, please. In verse 1, Therefore, having been justified or made righteous by faith, because we have become righteous, we have peace with God. Look at verse 6. For when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. And verse 8, God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 9, much more than having now been made righteous by His blood, we shall be saved from any wrath in the future. We need peace with God because it removes His wrath from us And that is the foundation of all the other things that bring us peace. Over my years in in chaplaincy as a police and fire chaplain, many times people will talk to me about praying and they'll say, would you talk to the man upstairs for me? You know, you're you're on first name basis with him. Okay, You know what? They're right. They're right on two accounts. They can't talk to him. And I can, and it's because I'm on a first-name basis with him. I have been reconciled to him, and I have peace with him. And so I can come to him, and they cannot. They're still under this, this cloud like Adam was. Do you have peace today? It comes through faith. Not just a blind leap into the unknown, but a willing decision to entrust your soul to the Son of God who took on human flesh and died for your sin and rose from the dead to give you new life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Boy, that's pathetic. (laughs) If you don't have peace today, you need to believe in Christ so that you can have peace with God. And once you do... There are some things that come from that peace. And the first is this. The death of Christ brings peace with our past. We have all sinned. We all have guilt. We've all done things that were maybe foolish or hurtful or dangerous, illegal, shameful. But the good news is when we believe in Christ, God takes away our sin and with it he takes away our guilt. Look at this woman that Christ talked to in Luke 7, one of the Pharisees who was a a self-righteous person by virtue of what he thought was important, he asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Now, we don't know that she was a prostitute, but we know she was a public sinner. She was so much of a sinner that people just said, oh, that's that sinful woman. Okay, so I don't know what her life was about but it was about something that was shameful. 
And a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. And she stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. And then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We get peace when we get forgiveness. Because God takes our sin away. Did you know that God is the one who makes you feel guilty? And so when God does this, when he takes your sin away as far as the east is from the west, the guilt goes with it. We can be free from guilt. What a tremendous peace that brings. Number three, the death of Christ brings peace by creating relationship with God. Look at Romans 5.10, please. For if when we were enemies, that's before we believed in Christ, if back then we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, now having become reconciled, we shall be saved through His life. We have been reconciled to God. When we believed in Christ, the Holy Spirit came into us, and this is the impact For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. My little granddaughter, Kylie, can't talk much, but she knows how to say, Papa, Papa. When they drive up to the church, go, Papa. And what she's thinking, see, Papa to her means candy. Candy. <laughs> Papa has a candy dish. Papa knows how to make a friend. She knows how to smile really cute. <laughs> and when she gets older, she's going to get anything she wants. <laughs> and then I'm going to send her home, and I don't care what happens. used to take us a full week to retrain our kids when they went to visit her folks. (laughs) We are related by blood, Kylie and me, but we also have a relationship, a growing relationship of love. When you accepted Christ, you became the child of God. You became related to God. And you have a relationship of love with God. That's why you can go into his presence and say, Papa. You can think of him that way. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have such a relationship with God that we can come right into His presence and say, Papa, Father, 
When Kylie and Malachi come into my office, they're supposed to ask before they get a piece of candy because their parents are trying to teach them to be, have manners and be gracious. But there's no doubt in their mind that when they come in, they're going to get candy. And there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to get candy. They are welcome. I don't know how you think about God, friend. But if you have come to Christ in faith, your sin has been taken away and you can come right up into his office. Right up into the throne room, this says here, or the the holiest of holies, right into the very presence of God. You are God's children. He wants you to talk to him and he wants you to ask for help and he wants to help you. The death of Christ brings peace by enabling victory over sin. Look at Romans chapter 6, please. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Apostle Paul was addressing a problem where some people said, well, I've been forgiven. I can just live any way I want. I can live in sin as much as I want, and God will forgive me. And he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know, as many of us as were immersed into Christ Jesus, were immersed into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. When we put our faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit immersed us into Jesus. It's not talking about water baptism like we'll have here in two weeks. This is talking about real spirit baptism, where the Holy Spirit takes every Christian and connects us to the body of Christ. And because we're connected to the body of Christ, we're connected to his death on the cross, not that we pay for our own sins, but that our old sinful nature is crucified. And because we have relationship with God, we can now have victory over sin. Paul expanded on this in Colossians 3. If you then were raised with Christ death, burial, and resurrection. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We have the potential of having victory over sin. Nancy Reagan is famous for starting the anti-drug campaign that was a complete failure, and the, the, do you remember the name of the drug camp, anti-drug campaign? Just say no to drugs. Now, is that good advice? Yes, just say no. Why did it fail so utterly? Because the only people who can have victory over sin are the ones that have had the death of Christ applied to their life. And so the, the sin nature has been crucified, and so I can say no to sin. In fact, I want you to say this with me. I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. Now, I want you to think about that when you go out of here today. Because I know some of you are thinking, you just like Nancy Reagan. But you know what you haven't thought about? Your sinful nature was crucified. It 
cannot control you. Oh, we let it control. But it cannot control. We have to say, no, I will not sin. And we can say no. We can say no because God has crucified our sinful nature. Our parking lot in Tukwila used to have giant mud puddles in it when the rain would come. We would do our best to keep it squared away, but you know, eventually we were able to pave it, and of course that took care of the problem. But we had these big mud puddles, and they might be four or five inches deep. And one day I was standing out there, and there was this little bright-eyed girl standing there, and I don't know how old she was, you know, eight, nine years old or so. It's one of those little girls with the real sparkly eyes, and you can tell there's fire going on in there. I said, I double-dog dare you to jump in that puddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she went, kawoosh. <laughs> and her mama responded about the way you did. <laughs> oh, man. But you know, when you get double-dog dared, what are you going to do, Right? I want to double-dog dare you. The next time you're tempted to sin, to just stop and say, wait a minute, I don't have to do that. I do not have to do that. My sinful nature was crucified. I do not have to do that. And I'm telling you, if you claim God's promise, God will show up and help you with it. Nothing will bring more peace to your Christian life than living in Christ. These things we write to you so that your joy may be full. What things? This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. And we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you want your joy to be full as a Christian? Say no to sin. God wants to give us peace in our Christian life and the beginning point is to say no to sin because He will give us His peace and His joy. The fifth thing that we need to understand is the death of Christ brings peace by giving us confidence about the future. Look at Romans 5, 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There are three tenses to salvation. The first is past tense. When you believe Christ as your Savior, all of your sins are forgiven. And you stand before God righteous, ready to go into heaven in terms of your position. But in terms of your present practice, there may be sin that needs to be dealt with and will need to be dealt with on a daily basis. That is the present tense of salvation. And there is yet a future tense of salvation, that day when you will meet Christ face to face, whether it's the day of your death or the day of the rapture. And that is what he's talking about here. He says, we will be saved from wrath. Our faith in Christ that has brought about our regeneration, our, our salvation, makes it so that God has no wrath stored up for us. And so we can look to the future confidently. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. Why? 
so that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. We don't have to live in the fear of not quite being good enough or not quite doing good enough. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. These things are written so you can know, so you can have confidence as you look forward. We can live a life of peace and joy and meaning and then go to heaven. The bumper sticker should read, Life's a blessing, then you die. Yippee! It should, right? That's right. The death of Christ brings peace by giving us confidence about the future. Libya is almost in a civil war. Japan's in a meltdown. Louisiana is getting the second wave of the oil spill. How about your world? Is there peace in your world? There can be peace because of the death of Christ. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and I will dine with him and he with me. How does God knock on your door? Well, he knocks in places like this. When the word of God is spoken and you hear the word of God and you're thinking, yeah, I should do something about that. He also knocks through circumstances. Things don't go the way you think they ought to go. Maybe things go really bad and you go, wow, I need the peace of God. Christ is knocking. Christ can give you peace through his death, but you have to open the door. I hope that you will today. Heavenly Father, help us to rest in your peace. There's somebody here today that that can't have a still heart before you because they've never believed in Christ. Open their eyes today. Open their hearts today. Keep knocking on their door. Don't give up on them. Father, for those of us that know you, help us to learn to rest in the peace that the death of Christ brings to us. Help us to live in him and the wonderful blessings you've given us. Thank you that our souls can be still. May that be true of us today. I pray in Christ's name, amen. We're going to sing a song as we conclude, and at the end of that song, you're all invited over to the welcome room for some fellowship and refreshments. Choir, just stay here. The worship team will come up around us. Let's stand together.